Yes, it is time for another Master Passive Income podcast. My name is Dustin Heiner. I'm the founder of Master Passive Income. And in this podcast, we talk all about real estate rental properties and how you can invest in real estate and quit your job because you have passive income, money coming in every single month that goes into your pocket so you don't have to work a job ever again. When I was 37 years old, I quit my job and I will never have another job. Now today we're gonna be looking at the best things to look for in a tenant. You know, the type of people that you're gonna be putting in your properties. I've had so many different types of tenants that I've learned the right ones and the wrong ones to pick, as well as how to find the right ones. All right, now let's get into the show where we're gonna be talking all about tenants and how to find the right ones so you don't lose money, but you make money every single month so that you can live the dream life. All right, guys, let's get out there and start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, guys? I am so excited that you're here with me in the Master Passive Income Podcast. I am so stoked that you are giving me your ear. So thank you so much for being here. Now, I wanted to share something super awesome with you. It was about two months ago that I realized that I needed to make more money on the money that I was storing in my bank account. So if you think of a normal savings account, a normal savings account actually gives you like 0.01%. I remember I went to Chase and Chase Bank actually gave me their written, uh, like the actual interest rate that they're going to give me for a savings account, it was like 0.13%. I was like, that is nothing for a savings account. Well, the reason why it's so little most of the time is because savings accounts are very secure. Like you're really not going to lose your money unless somebody, um, you know, hacks into the entire government, entire everything and takes everything because it's, they call it FDIC insured, but basically it's federally insured so that if anything happened to the bank or anything happened to your money or it's insured. So you'll get your money back from the government. Now, what I am saying is I was thinking, you know what? I need to make money on all this money that I have just sitting waiting to be invested. Now, if you're like me, when you first start, you don't have very much money. When I first started, I had very, very little money. But over time, as I built my business, praise the Lord, I got more and more money. And now I have plenty of money that I'm holding on to, waiting for a good investment, waiting for something to pop up so I can buy. But in the meantime, I keep making more money. So I have to store it someplace. Now, I don't want to store it in stocks. I don't want to store it in mutual funds. I don't want to store it in Bitcoin. That's for darn sure. You know, that's such a volatile, crazy thing to try to think about storing my money in. But I want to store it in something that's solid. Now, a CD is solid. A CD, a certificate deposit, basically they're guaranteeing you a certain rate, which is fairly high or decently high rate, maybe like 4%, 3%, 2% or something like that, better than 0.1. But what happens with a CD is you're locked in for whatever term that they're going to give you. So if it's a 12-month term, you get 12 months of interest. But if you pull out the money before 12 months, then you're stuck with a fee, a penalty for pulling the money out. And what if it's a 24 month? What if it's a 48 month and you get a good rate, which is good, but you won't be able to use that money for a deal? That would be a bummer if you were if you had to pass on a deal because you didn't have the money liquid or you know ready to uh, you know get at 
or you had to pay a penalty just to pull the money out. So what I found was I found something that I definitely want to share with you. It is a bank that is literally giving 2.45% interest rate every single month. I'm getting loads and loads of money from my savings account. So I even looked at a CD for um, Chase Bank, the certificate of deposit for a, a 24 month, it was like two and a half percent. I'd have to lock my money in for two years and I don't want to do that. I want to have it ready or liquid, basically be able to pull out at any given time. Now this bank is called CIT Bank and here's a quick link I want to give you so you can get there. Masterpassiveincome.com forward slash bank, B-A-N-K. That's the bank that I strongly recommend and I actually use. Like I don't recommend things I don't use. I literally moved all of my money over to CIT Bank like I said, this one is also as well, FDIC insured. It's a fantastic bank and you can even get loans there for your rental properties as well. So it's a great place. But 2.45% return on your money is crazy. I don't know how they can do it, but they are, which is absolutely fantastic. It went up from last month was 2.25. Now this month is 2.45. I'm hoping it keeps going up, you know, like maybe gets to 2.65 or 2.85 or, you know, 3%. Man, that's a great money. Now, what I'm looking at is if you had $10,000 in one year, if you held $10,000 inside of this bank account, that's 2.45%, in one year, you will earn $250 in interest. Now, what if you had more money? Let's say, and I know not everybody has this, but let's say you had $50,000 saved in there. Well, that's $1,240 you would earn in interest. Well, what if you had $100,000? That would be $2,480 earned in interest. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Last one I'll give you is $200,000. Let's say you have $200,000 in the bank saved at 2.45%. That is $5,000 in interest you will be earning every single year. That's a load of money. So I just had to give it to you. I, I try to pass on all the good things that I find to you. Um, next week, I'll probably talk about an awesome credit card that I got $600 cash back. It's just, it was fantastic. So I'll talk to you all about that. And um, But go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash bank, B-A-N-K, and that'll take you to where you can sign up and get 2.45%. Strongly recommend you do that. That's where I did. Now, today, in today's show, we're gonna be talking all about tenants and how you can make sure you get good tenants in your property. Now, I'm going to give you another link. Sorry, I gave you so many links, but the show notes for this, and you can see everything written out in the show notes, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash 041. This is the 41st episode. Man, we're already 41 episodes already. So 041 forward slash 041, you get to the podcast show notes. Now, when we're talking all about tenants, we want to make sure we get the right tenants inside of the property ones that stay for a very long time, not ones that move in and then within four months, they don't pay the rent anymore and you gotta evict them. You wanna get good tenants. Now, if you have a property manager, you're hopefully gonna be able to lean on their experience, what type of tenants are in the area, what's their experience with certain tenants, certain types of tenants and all that, and they're gonna screen tenants for you. But what if you are the one screening your tenants? Well, we need to know what to go after. And I even have property managers that say, well, I give you the final say on the tenant. Obviously, they, they, they want to make sure that you know they're covering their bases, which I completely understand. But they say, hey, here, this is the tenant. We verify, like we would pick this tenant but we want to give you everything so you make the final decision, which I'm totally fine with doing because I've done this for so long, I know what type of tenants I'm looking for. 
what you don't want to do is find somebody that just has a heartbeat that can pay the first month's rent and the security deposit, get them in there. So they basically meet the criteria to get into the property. Who knows? They might've lied on the application. They may have lied about their income, things like that would make them look good on paper, but in reality might be a bad, um, bad tenant to put in your property. Now, let me give you a little story about what happened. So one day I get a call from my property manager and he starts talking to me about this conversation that he had. And the conversation basically went like this and it was loud, loud conversation. So first started out with the tenant asking my property manager, um, you know, so why did I not get selected for the property? Why, why am I not able to move in? Why'd you guys go with somebody else or not pick me? And my property manager literally said, it's because you're a convicted felon. That's why we cannot rent to you. And he literally told them that. And uh, he's telling, he's explaining this to me and I'm just shaking my head. And then as soon as this guy, the tenant, a potential tenant found out that we passed on him because he was a convicted felon, he started screaming off the top of his lungs saying, what? That's discrimination. I'm going to sue your beepity beep. And he started going off on the property manager. I'm going to take all your money, your piece of boo boo boo. And it was just really, really bad. And all that could have been avoided. Now, here's also what the property manager said was, oh, uh, um, your, your income also isn't that good. So we're passing on you because of that. He said as he was trying to pull his foot out of his mouth, <laughs> saying that the guy was a convicted felon. That's why we're passing on him. So the person on the other line says, yeah, right. I, I know what you're trying to do, you effer. And he starts cussing at him and starts really going at, and you're not going to get away with this. We're going to sue you or I'm going to sue you. And my property manager tries to sum everything up and say, sir, you know, I'm willing to able to find you another place, but this is not the property for you. It's not available anymore. And um, but blah, blah, blah. He starts to talk and get in, in more trouble. But all that could have been avoided. And he basically had to hang up on the guy because he was just yelling at him. But like I said, it all could be avoided. Now, talking to tenants and finding the right tenants are um, two, uh, I guess, sides of the, of the same coin. You need to be able to talk to them, potential tenants as well as current tenants, as well as finding the right tenants for your property. Now, I'll give you a quick tip that you can use in all of your properties when you're finding tenants. Whenever you pass on somebody for a property, let's say this person has eight evictions and you don't want to rent to them or they, you know, they don't have current income that is actually sufficient for what you would want for your property. Um, you know, you don't like how they, how little they bring in because you think that they might not pay the rent or they're a convicted felon. There is nothing that is written in law or anything, unless there is, then, then you need to actually be honest and say the right thing. But I have never in everywhere that I invest all over the country, it's never a requirement that we tell them any anything other than we've passed on you as a, as a potential tenant like we're, we're we're passing we found somebody else or whatever it might be they start pressing you and asking you well why why didn't you say well we just passed and then they come back and say well why I, I demand an answer and you say sorry sir or ma'am we decided to go with somebody else and um, thank you and have a good day and then move on you don't need to say any reasons because any reasons they might ask, especially people that are demanding the quote unquote demanding answers from you, they might take it to an extreme where they would actually want to sue you. Now, this guy that I talked to you about earlier, he did not turn around and start suing us because 
convicted felons are not a protected, quote unquote, a protected class of citizen. Um, you're not required. Now, let's say uh, there, there are protected classes like um, just think of, you know, a religious affiliation. You can't discriminate, quote unquote, discriminate on religious um, uh, discrimination. You know, somebody is Christian and you hate Christians. If you say, well, I hate Christians, so I'm not going to let you in my my property. That's really stupid because they could actually come back and, and sue you for being discriminatory about their religion. Um, or if somebody says, or you find out that somebody's gay and they say, well, you know, why didn't you let us in the property? Or why can't we have the property? We have great income, blah, blah, blah. And they start going, you know, going off and you say, well, it's because you're gay and I don't want gay people in my property. Well, that's just absolutely stupid because they're going to come and sue you. It is your property. It's your prerogative to put whoever you feel would be the best person in the property to take care of it, number one. Number two, to pay the rents. And number three, to have a good working relationship with you. You know, you don't want, I personally, and I would encourage you, you don't want somebody in there that's actually going to be um, a a rough person to work with, somebody that you can foresee uh, lots of problems with. They're not nice. They're very, very um, argumentative, even before they get the property. So, you want to look into their personality as you're talking to them and, and try to get to understand, um, you know, how they might operate when they're in the property. But going all the way back to it's your prerogative to pick who you want in your property. On top of that, whenever you pass on a, t- a potential tenant, you do not have to tell them anything about why you decided to go with somebody else or you just decided to not go with them. Just tell them, you know, thank you very much for applying. We decided to go another route. Thank you and good day. And then hang up. I mean, that, that, that's what it comes down to. Hopefully you'll get some good people that actually won't be that that problematic. Well, they'll be, you know, either cussing at you because you're not telling them the exact answer they want to hear or whatever it might be. So when you're talking to potential tenants, when you're turning them down, don't say a word. Just say this is um, this is the direction we're going. Big tip for you. So uh, praise the Lord, we didn't actually get sued, which was great. Um, and he couldn't sue. Or even if he tried to sue us, you know, it, we would win. Um, it would just cost a lot of money. So now, what I want to do is I want to look at what would actually happen if you did find a bad tenant. You know, you put somebody in there that you're eventually going to have to evict, and they didn't take care of the property. So. When you are finding a tenant, you want to find a tenant that's actually, like I said, going to take care of it as well as pay the rent and, and be somebody that you can work with. Now, when you have multiple people coming in and applying for a property, you can pick and choose. But sometimes it might get come down to the fact where you only have one person that's that's applying. And it could be very varying different reasons. Maybe the property needs to be fixed up a little better. Maybe the rents are a little high for the area, whatever it might be. Um, if it's, if you're renting it for a lower dollar amount, then you'll get more people applying. You know, if it's a low dollar amount for the comparable rents in the area, if you have a higher dollar amount, you know, let's say the average is $500 a month in rent and you're charging $600, well, you're going to have very few people that are going to apply. But if you're charging 400 or 450, instead of the average of 500, you're going to get a good amount of people applying. So you want to look at the, the big picture of finding somebody that's going to go on your property that will make sure that the property's taken care of and you get money. Now, if you found somebody and you placed a tenant that is a not good tenant where they stopped paying rent or they're giving you so many excuses and they pay three weeks late and they keep saying, oh, I had a story like my my son, he is in jail now, so I had to bail him out or you know, the car broke down for the 15th time, whatever it might be. You're going to get people like that. 
Now, the way to work around that, not really work around, to get out of that is to not put those people in your place from the very beginning. Now, when you do put somebody in there, the problems you're going to have is it's going to cost a lot to turn over a tenant. When I have my property for rent, I would ideally like to find somebody that's going to stay in there for one, two, or maybe even five years. Like as long as they stay in the property and take care of it, I want to keep them in there as long as possible. Here's the reason why, because turning over the property, turning over means getting somebody out, fixing it up, all their damages, getting it fresh painted and clean the carpets, all that stuff. That co- And finding somebody and put somebody, a new person in there costs a lot of money. Let's go through a few things that you're going to run into. So loss of rents is one. You know, if you're having to evict somebody, you might be out as little as one to two months and as much as maybe six months or more of loss of rents because you're evicting somebody. In some states like California, they'll probably let the tenant be in there without paying for four, five, six months before they actually get the eviction process through. It's just that ridiculous. In other parts of the country where I like to invest, I look at the laws and I try to get in places where it takes one at most two months to evict somebody. So I'm out as little rent as possible. So imagine if you're renting a property for $1,000 a month, well, one month, that's $1,000 out of your pocket. Another month, that two months total, that's $2,000 out of your pocket. So it eats into your profits with loss of rents. The more loss you have, the less rents that come in your pocket or the less profit that goes in your pocket, as well as it's harder to pay your taxes, your insurance, your property manager fees because you have less money coming in. So loss of rents is one. So you want to pick right from the very first time. Another one would be cleaning and fixing up the property because when tenants leave, you have to make it rentable for somebody else new to come in. You know, when somebody comes in new to a property, they're expecting clean carpets, um, you know, paint, fresh paint on the wall, or at least clean walls, no hands, scrubs, uh, marks from kids. And, you know, just they, they want a nice, clean place. Yeah, but if somebody's been living in there for two years, they understand they're the ones that made the walls dirty. So they kind of they don't get as irritated about walls being dirty because they currently are living in there. So cleaning and fixing up the property, it costs a lot of money. Eviction fees, that costs a lot of money from paying a lawyer. Some states, you actually have to have a lawyer to actually do it um, and not your property manager. So all the eviction fees, like uh, filing a writ, which is where you actually have the sheriff deputy go and knock on the door, kick the people out, get move all their stuff out and things like that. So all those fees cost a lot. I mean, I've paid as much as $400, $500 for an eviction. It's a lot of money. Also marketing, when you're going to market a new property that is just come on the market because they just evicted somebody else, that costs money to get out there and possibly market it. Um, I personally like to use Craigslist, which works out a lot, but not just marketing. But if you have a leasing agent, if a leasing agent is going to go out and find a tenant for you, they usually take the full first month's rent. That's a lot of money. So that's even more money out of your pocket, a full four, um, first month's rent. Now you also have mortgage payments that if you have a mortgage on the property, you're going to be paying those. So if you're normally renting the property for $1,000, your mortgage payments is like $550. Well, after two months, that's $1,100 out of your pocket paying the mortgage when a tenant should be doing that. What about your electricity or your utilities, things like that that need to keep the things like that that need to keep the property going so that you can show the property, well, you need to keep those bills paid as well. You also have homeowner's insurance, taxes, and many other fees that you're going to have to pay, even like a homeowner's association. You might have to pay that. So in turning over a property, when you have it not rented, a lot of money is coming out of your your pockets. Now, if you're evicting somebody, it's even more so. If it's just not rented, that's one thing. But evicting is also even more time and more money. So 
I'm encouraging you to find the right tenant from the very, very get-go. Don't put in somebody just because they have a heartbeat and a little money to move in. Make sure you find somebody that's good that's going to stay in your property for a long time because all these expenses add up. Now, how to find the right tenant? It's there, There's a few types of tenants. When I say types, meaning um, the situations that they're living in. I'll give you an example. So one type of tenant would be a single adult without children. So just, you know, one person that is wanting to rent a house, maybe they're 28 years old, they want to come in and rent a house. And as they they move in, you know, they they like the area or they um, uh, their work is somewhat close to the area. Um, they just need a place to live. And so the downside, and this is when I say finding the right tenant and this type of tenant, um, the situation that they're in is they're single, they don't have very many thing, very many things that are tying them down to your house, to your property. So they become very transient because transient means they can move around very easily. They don't, um, or they have the ability to, and also do move around because they move from place to place very easily because they don't have kids in school. They they um, don't have you know a, a, a spouse that is working in a different direction. That they need a central spot that they both go to work and they come back. And um, they don't have a lot of friends in this specific area. And if they do, they might move. And single adults only have to worry about themselves. They don't have you know a spouse and children or elderly parents or whatever that um, would help would have more property. Like you know if you have two kids, well that's two extra beds. Uh, you know, might have a, an extra couch. You might have a bigger refrigerator. You have more stuff because you have more responsibilities, more people to take care of. Now, with a single adult without children, I personally, um, it's hard for me to rent to somebody that's a single adult without children because they move very easily. You know, if they get fired from their job, there's really nothing kicking, um, holding them down. And if they also, if they get fired from the job, they don't have income coming in to pay the rent. And so single adults without children, I, I tend to shy away from just because the lack of ability to um, pay the rent if something were to happen with their income. On top of that, they can up and move at any time. It's very easy for them to move. Now, another type of tenant situation that you might find is cohabitating tenants. Now, these are people that would be adults that are currently dating. You know, they're in a relationship and they say, well, let's live together first before we get married. Let's test it out to make sure we can actually live together and, um, you know, actually be married. So what they do is they move in together and they pull their money together and they both help pay for the rent and things like that. Now, I personally don't like to rent to cohabitating tenants. And here's why. Let me paint a picture for you. Imagine yourself back freshman year or sophomore year of high school. You know, you're you're exciting, you're everything's great, you know, you maybe find a boyfriend or girlfriend, you start dating and within a month you guys break up or even less than that, like a week and a half, you guys break up for whatever reason. Well, I've found that and it happens almost every single time. I don't remember a, a time where it didn't happen like this, but I've rented two cohabitating tenants, you know, two people that are dating, and one of them actually moves out because they get in a fight. You know, the first month they get in there, they pay the first month's rent, they pay the security deposit, they move in, everything's all, all you know, uh, lollipops and dandelions and everything's great, they're all in love and then the next month, you know, something happens and one of them moves out. And it's really sad because it hurts me as a landlord because when one moves out, more than likely they're both going to move out because they don't need that big of a place. On a rare occasion, you might get somebody that actually has enough money to pay the rent for both of them. But 
what it turns out is you're going to lose a, a tenant just because they got in a fight. Here's a quote that I got from a pastor that I know. Um, he said that when you get somebody that's in a dating relationship, so what was a good deal initially in the dating relationship has now became an ordeal. And now the two begin looking for a new deal. They start looking around for another person to date. Well, they're not going to want to stay in that same place that they rented with somebody else. And, and they're going to they're move out and become single for a while or whatever it might be. So as soon as they break up, you're out of a tenant. So I found this... Um, one of the CDC information. So the probability of a first marriage ending in a separation or divorce within five years is 20%, while the probability of a premarital cohabitating breakup within five years is 49%, almost, uh, that's, that's more than double the percentage. Now, after 10 years, the probability of the first marriage ending is 33% compared to the probability of 62% for cohabitating um, cohabitating tenants. Now, what that tells me is it's more than double the chances of the tenants moving out because they're not married. They're not locked in a, you know, a matrimony where they're, they're committed to each other. When they're just dating, it's easy just to get out of the relationship. It's really sad. So I personally don't like to rent to cohabitating tenants because the fact that when one breaks up with the other one, then you lose both tenants. It's not good for your business. Before we move on to other situations. Now, if you wanted to rent to a single adult or cohabitating couple, you want to make sure that both of them have enough money coming in to pay for the rents as well as their living expenses. So if you're going to find somebody that you're going to put in, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to go with this person, this tenant. Let me give you some checks that you should be able to go through in order to make sure that you are doing your best to find a good tenant. An easy way to check to see if you should rent to a dating couple is to see if each person can afford the rent and even living expenses, life expenses, on their own without the other person. The single person and the cohabitating couple must have the necessary income in order to afford the rent and the expenses that life brings upon them. Now, let's say you rent one property for $1,300 a month. Now, if you rent that property to a single adult or a cohabitating couple, a bit of math will help you really figure out if you are going to make a right decision or a wrong decision. Now, for my business, in order to rent to a single adult or cohabitating couple, each person's incomes must be enough to cover the rent living expenses on their own. So, for a cohabitating couple, a quick rule of thumb that I like to use is to make sure each tenant earns 200% of the rental amount. Now, 200% would be basically double the rental amount. So for the $1,300 rental property, you know they, the rent comes in at $1,300 a month. So they have to pay $1,300 a month. Each person must make $2,600. That's double the actual income. Because if one leaves, I want to make sure that they can pay for the, for the rent. So... When you add up all the living expenses and life expenses, I mean, just think about it. A cell phone bill, what's that? 55 bucks per person. Um, cable TV, which every renter has to have, um, $80. Home internet, $50. You know, if they have a home phone, maybe $20. Car payment, 250 bucks. Car insurance, $50. Electricity and utilities, close to $250 to $300. Gasoline, driving around, 100 bucks. Food, 200 to 250 a month. Entertainment, another $200, maybe 150 to $200. So if, if you look at all that, your total expenses for the month, not including the rent, is close to $1,300. Now, 
if they're making $2,600 and they have $1,300 in the, the rent, they have $1,300 in living expenses, well, then they can cover that with their own rent. Now, that's how I like to do it is to make sure that I look at their income and if both of them double their income, then if you know if cohabitating tenants, one of them moves out, then the other one could potentially stay in there, hopefully. Now, again, I personally, even with that, I don't like to rent to, to cohabitating tenants. And I'll get to the type of tenant that I love to rent to. So the each one basically must make $2,600 or twice the amount of rent. Now, for the single adult, the numbers are a little different. Um, the prospective tenant needs to earn, in my opinion, 300% of the rent amount in order to cover the rent um, and make sure that the rent is and their living expenses are all covered. Now, here are some other situations you might find your prospective tenants in. They could be a married couple. A married couple that comes in with no kids and they are coming into your property and one stays at home, one works, or they both work. Another situation would be a married couple with kids. Another situation would be older single women or older single men. Um, also, single parents with children in local schools. There's, those are different situations that you would potentially find your tenants as they apply. They're going to say this is, or you're going to figure out that this is a situation that they're in. Now, these different situations that you're going to find your potential tenants in are my favorites. And here's the reason why is you want something that's going to be able to lock down your potential tenant in a rental situation for more than a year, more than two years, maybe five years. And here's what it comes down to. Not just locked in. Basically, their kids are going to school. And with their kids going to school, they don't. parents don't like to move very often and move their kids out of school. So you're going to find parents that are going to stay in a property longer. You're going to find the married couples are basically staying because their kids go to school in the area. And in order to move, it's going to take a lot of work. Now, let's go through a couple of these really quick. So a married couple with no kids. So they have a lot of responsibilities, you know, their own jobs. They have, um, you know, they may be working on a side business or having fun things that they like to do. But here's the big thing. Kids will most likely come in some time in the future. Like I said, my favorite type of tenant would be a married couple with kids. Now, a married couple without kids will eventually become married couple with kids. And so they have more responsibilities. They will eventually have kids, which is great because the schools really help them to stay in the property because they want their kids to go to that same school. Moving them out of school is just rough for the kids. Now, if that was a married couple with no kids. They, those are really, those are probably... Um, uh, those are good to rent to, but I like other ones. Here's another good one. Um, an older single woman. Older single women that are maybe like 60s and 50s and 60s and 70s that are by themselves, those are great people to rent to because they are... But number one, they're not going to move very easily. Like literally, they it's hard for them to pick up, a, you know, a bed and move the bed to another another house. They're going to have to get people to help them to move. So that's another great reason why you have older single women, because even older single men are are pretty good because they don't really care to move all that often. Younger single men and women move very often. Older people tend to stay longer because they don't need to move. It's not a desire for them anymore. When they're younger, they used to, but now since they're older, they don't. But older single women 
women are fantastic. So they have less strength than men. Um, women, older single women have less strength than men, but at the same time, they're just older. What's also interesting is the older single women, even the older single men, some of them um, are on a fixed income, maybe social security, maybe it might be a pension or retirement that they have, but they're on a fixed income. And so they're not really looking to move up, you know, get a bigger place, a bigger uh, property. They are not adding on another kid, so they need another room. They're not doing that. So they're on a fixed income and they are looking to just settle down in one place and not have to move. So with their fixed income, they're not able able to find, you know, if they're paying a thousand dollars a month for rent for your one property, you know, $1,100 for rent in a new property is a big expense to them. Another hundred dollars taken out of their fixed income. That's a lot of money taken out. So older single women are fantastic to rent to as well as older single men. But I, I really enjoy um, older, older single women, just taking care of them, blessing them, making sure that they have a great property, that they don't have to worry about their home, that they just can, can live and enjoy, you know, when their grandkids come by and all that sort of stuff. All right. Now, another one, uh, another one I like to rent to is single parents with children in schools. So a single parent that actually has kids that go to school in the area. And again, it's the kids that are locking the parent down into the property because parents don't really want to move their kids out of school. And especially in the middle of a school year, they don't like to do that. So like married couples, single parents have a lot of responsibilities. You know, they have their job, one, number one. Number two, they have children. And if they have younger ones, they might have childcare. Basically, children are a huge deciding factor for tenants to stay in your rental property. Parents like to keep their kids in school and not move around very much. Now, let me give you my favorite type of tenant to rent to. Now, I've alluded to a lot. It's basically married couples with kids. People who are married who have kids that are currently going to school inside the area because people move to where it's closest to the kid's school. So if they're walking to school, riding their bikes or taking a bus or something like that, they're going to be living in a place that is relatively close to school. Then they're not going to move their kids out of the school area very quickly to go to a different school. And plus, they just have more responsibilities. They like to settle down and moving takes a lot of work. Literally, you have, you know, maybe four beds instead of just one um, because you have extra kids, you have couches, you have just a lot of other stuff you know, on top of their toys, um, bicycles and all that sort of stuff. So it's harder for them to move. Now, married couple with kids are some of the best people to rent to. Um, they want to settle down. They want to place their roots down and, and have their kids be in school, playing sports, get to know the community, all that sort of stuff. They also, married people, tend to have careers, not just jobs. They don't just have, you know, a job that is at Home Depot that they could easily get fired of from, sadly, or they can easily get a new job and move away. Now, if somebody has a career, that means they're going to stay in their job for, you know, more than just, you know, six months to a year. They're going to stay in their job for a long time. They also know that they need to provide for their family and they must stay employed. They can't just up and quit because they have to take care of the family. So quitting because they are mad at their boss is very unlikely. Um, it's because they need to provide for their family. Now, all these different situations you're going to find your tenants in, the best thing that I'm going to give you as far as a huge tip that you want to do is finding the right tenant is doing a background check. Not just like a credit check, but you want to do a background for a criminal history as well as their, their evictions and credit check. You want to run basically the full gamut so you understand who they are how they've acted in the past, 
which can hopefully show you how they're going to act in the future. So let's take it one step at a time. So a background check is a general background check for their entire entire life. So it could show um, a credit check, which can be separate, or it could be criminal history or evictions. But a background check, when I say run background checks on your tenants, and I'm going to say every single tenant that you put in your property, you better run a background check. I'm going to strongly encourage you to do that. If you're going to learn anything out of this one podcast, it's to do a background check. And the reason why is I've lost so much money putting in tenants that basically move out within, you know, next three or four months. Because I've all these lessons that I've learned is because of practical experience of losing lots and lots of money. Now, you might be thinking, you know, how do I run a background check? How do I get my tenants to actually go through the process? Well, it's super, super simple. And I've told you many, many times before to use Cozy. Now, you can get to Cozy. It's a software. It's online. It's a mobile app. It's it's fantastic. And I use it personally, for the properties that I manage on my own. If you want to go get it, go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash C-O-Z-Y. It'll take you over to Cozy, and it is absolutely free. You have everything that you're going to need as a property manager, managing your property, everything from listing your properties to running background checks, and it is fantastic. And so the background checks are going to be ran through Cozy. You're going to get the background check. The tenant's going to apply for the ability to rent your property, and in that application process, you charge them the application fee, which is the background check. So go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash C-O-Z-Y, and that will give you the ability to run back great background checks so you make sure you find the right tenant. Now, I strongly recommend that you get a background check for every single tenant that you put in your property. Do not place a tenant. Do not let them get in the property until you run a background check. Now, here's a sad thing. So I ran a background check on this one lady who on paper looked absolutely fantastic. Looked like she had great income. She's been in her um, apartment for, I don't know, like five years. Um, she has great references. All, like Basically, on paper, she filled it out and she looked sparkling, like perfect type of tenant you want want in your property. Now, when I did the background check, it came out that she actually had been evicted four times in the last three years. Can you believe that? Four times in three years evicted. Now, me obviously realizing, hey, the past is showing what could potentially happen in the future. I don't want to be that fifth eviction for her. So I said, no, I'm going to pass on you being my, my property. Obviously, as I talked to you about in the earlier I, um, earlier part of the podcast, I did not say it's because of X, Y, and Z. I just said, we decided to move on. We decided to pass and go with somebody else. Now, here, here's the big thing you need to remember. A background check also running is a credit check a criminal history check, as well as an eviction check. Make sure that you have all those things. And here's the greatest part. It's only like $25 or $30 to run a background check on somebody. Now, with that $30, it's going to potentially save you thousands of dollars in a tenant turnover. Remember, turnover was evicting, possibly evicting somebody, cleaning out the property, painting it, getting it ready, marketing it, placing another tenant, paying all the fees to get them inside there, all that sort of stuff that's going to cost you money. Now, if you place a tenant right from the beginning, you're going to save all that money. So $30 in a background check is going to save you potentially thousands of dollars. So don't be tripping over dollars to pick up pennies when you do a $30 background check and saving yourself from not having one tenant in there that's actually going to move out. That $30 is going to save you thousands of dollars. 
Now this wraps up this podcast session where we talk all about tenants and what type of tenants you're going to find. Now, I strongly encourage you again to do a couple things. Number one, go get yourself that bank account where they give 2.45% interest rate. I have no idea how they do it. Masterpassiveincome.com forward slash bank. Also, another thing I want to do for you is I want you to use Cozy, the free property management software. Absolutely free and absolutely fantastic. Run all your background checks through it. Masterpassiveincome.com forward slash C-O-Z-Y. All right, guys, this has been the Master Passive Income. I'm so glad you're here with me, and I really, really appreciate you. I hope that you get started investing in real estate so that you can change your life and never have to work a job again. One more link I want to give you really quickly, masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. I know lots of links I'm giving you, but the link one more time is masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And that is going to give you the access to my free course that'll get you started investing in real estate so that you can see what it takes. And you can absolutely learn that it's something that you can do. If I can do it, honestly, I mean, somebody like me can do this. You can absolutely do this. All right, guys. Thank you so much again for being here. I'll see you next week and peace out.